Well, how is every, how's everybody doing? Good. Dude, my fasting blood glucose is like mid eighties. It has not been <laughs> mid eighties in like over a year. So we're like, boop, 85, 84. Like I had a 77 the other day. I was like, let's go. That um, is amazing. Mine is nineties again. So whatever. Yeah. It, dude, because I have, I have some inflammation going on. <laughs> well, plus like, you're also like, you know, you're, you know, you reverse your calories back up. Like you're yeah. in a growth phase. Like it just happens, you I'm know, salty like about it. No, I'm salty about it. it was so it was like 70s and then like added some stuff in and then boom like I I'm the type like I don't stay lean in the off season and I definitely like don't have favorable levels when my food gets higher um I'm predisposed like my all my family has diabetes all of them I'm the only one that's not diagnosed so like yeah, good thing on me. But at the same time, I have to be very careful when I have my food very high. So especially right. when my carbs are high. So, and now they're at like, what, 300 now? That's pretty fast. It came up. Yeah. Cause I came, I came from, I think it was like 170 something when I was prepping. Yeah. Um, Dude, that's so nice. Yeah. So now I feel like I'm normal. Well, You're I've been almost feeling, double. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. what you have to do. Right. Cause like what people don't understand is like, they always just want to be fucking dieting. They never like reverse their calories up. They never get to that point where they're above like 200 grams of carbs and like shit, like I'm dieting right now on 2,200 calories. Like yeah. that's fucking nuts. Like I've lost almost 10 pounds on 2,200 Pro- calories. Do you, you don't probably don't even feel hungry. Oh God, no. No. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone might hate you right now, Ash, but, <laughs> with that- but that's the thing though. I paid my dues. I didn't just, you know, wake up one day and went from like 1300 calories. Like, no, like, you know, when I did my contest, like, you know, I think my carbs are like maybe 120, which I mean, that's low, but that's not as low as some people need to go. But then like, you know, I killed my reverse. Like people are going to hate me for saying this, but I did not have a difficult time reversing because like, you didn't even have a post-show meal. No, because that's, that's just not the way I think. Fuck you, you. Know? like, like that's just not the way I think at all. When it comes to my bodybuilding, like, I did have a post-show meal. Like, I went and had like, I had those miracle noodles. I went to like a noodle place, but I got like those zero-calorie miracle noodles and some tofu and shit with my family. But like, it just wasn't like I wasn't super food motivated. Not because I wasn't hungry, but that's just like not how I wanted my reverse to go because I saw what would happen if people didn't reverse properly and like honestly, I was scared of getting fat. So I was like, I'm going to stick to my reverse hundred percent. And I did. And I know some people are listening are like, well, fuck you. And that's okay. Like your reverse is going to be different from my reverse. But like, I just, I was scared to get fat. So I was like, you're going to nail this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you're funny. No, I still like when I'm dieting, I have to go really, 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 really low. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm small. I mean, I'm, I'm four eleven, So it, it makes sense. makes perfect sense. And I have to dig to get lean. I have to yeah. dig deep. Like, I don't stay lean in the off season and that makes it harder for me to get peeled when it, when it comes time. So I'm like, I got to dig. Um, so 120 is like good for me when I'm in prep. <laughs> like, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I'll, be, I'll oh. be curious. It's been, I mean, it'll be, I don't even know how long, like, I mean, I haven't dieted in over two years now, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting whenever that time comes. Yeah. When do you, Oh, Everyone, Sarah's here. Hello. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is Sarah. <laughs> I feel like I just hopped into the intro, like into the conversation, but. <laughs> Where are our manners? This is Sarah Bishop. Yes. <laughs> Sarah Bishop Ford. Yes. 
do you Hello. like so do you go like is sarah bishop your maiden name sarah bishop is my name so okay oh, okay so i fucked that up so no everyone i so i'm thinking about just taking it off on instagram like leaving my handle at sarah ford bishop so i got married last year my maiden name is ford mm. but i moved my like legally my middle name my middle name is now ford so like legally uh, my full name is sarah ford bishop but my last name is bishop if that makes sense makes sense <laughs> yeah, got no. you with you yeah no that makes sense i thought about like if i ever get married to do like holloman in the middle but holloman's not a middle name like i'm my middle name is justice and that's cute oh, i like that so, yeah and i don't want to lose that so right Ford is not a middle, it's more like a boy middle name, I guess. But I mean, it, it was important. Like I, um, I mean, just side note, like I had a difficult time, like letting go like post-marriage, like, or uh, like of my last name. So I, I didn't want to like hyphenate. So I decided to make it my middle name. Yeah. Well, and yeah, Sarah's here. Um, Sarah is a coach. Uh, she does lots of positive, amazing work on hormonal health, um, competitions, things like that. Sarah, like, what are some of the things that you love about coaching? Oh man. I think one thing I love is that you just get to see people go through different life stages. And it's, it's really cool to be a part of someone's life in that way. And no matter what someone's goal is, you know, whether we're talking, um, you know, improving, you know, internal health, you know, building muscle, losing fat, whatever the case might be performance goals, that, that education and the empowerment that I think you can get from coaching. I feel like that that translates to like other areas of life. And I don't think it's that as coaches, you know, we, it's not that we help people, you know, do all these big, amazing things. Like we do like outside of fitness is what I'm saying, mm -hmm. but we do play a part, you know, and, um, it's cool to see, you know, that those transitions as well as obviously, you know, the more health and fitness related mm -hmm. ones. Yeah. And you're like a master at posting. Like you have the, the coolest ideas, like, and content on what to talk about and what's relatable to people to help mm -hmm. them understand. Like you have this way of like making it into words that help people to understand why certain things are important. Like today we're going to talk about uh, the basics of like hormonal health and things like that. And you have a way of being able to explain them to where people value them in their life. And they're like, Oh, like that makes sense. I should probably do that. Like she's like super good at it. So, yeah. well, thank you. Yeah. I just tried it because I think a lot of times people get overwhelmed, like, you know, and people, not coaches, but just, well, coaches too. And just, you know, general populations, people get overwhelmed. I got overwhelmed, you know, when I was first learning. So I was like, okay, like it really is simple, but you know, supplement companies and people that claim to be gurus, I think want to make it complicated, but you know, it's for everyone. You, everyone can, you know, can learn something here. Yeah, definitely. When we talk about hormonal health, what is ideal hormonal health? Like when people talk about it, like, what does that look like? Cause everyone likes to talk about what's, what's not optimal. Mm -hmm. What is optimal? Yeah, I think, and that's where I think optimal, I feel like in the past I've abused that word. I think optimal is really dependent on the person and 
who we're talking about here. Now I'm assuming your audience is mostly like physique, you know, kind of competitors, like, you know, bodybuilders, um, that type of audience. So like our optimal is not maybe what, you know, your GP, your just general practitioner would consider optimal for getting by, you know, we're looking to like maximize. So I think like, you know, bio, biofeedback is something I'm sure you guys have talked about before. So like, I like to use biofeedback as like the marker of how we're doing internally. Like, yes, lab testing is important. Like, don't get me wrong, but I think so. Like a lot of times people get preoccupied with, you know, numbers and, you know, um, like we were just talking about like BGs, like blood glucose, you know, and like, yes, it is important. Like it's important to stay in range, but stressing about it, um, is not going to help anything. And you have to keep in mind that, you know, my range is not going to be Brit's range. It's not going to be Ash's range. Like we're all going to be a little bit different here. So it's about how you feel. So how is, you know, your sleep, you know, quality and quantity, um, you know, how are your en- energy levels, uh, both like inside the gym and outside the gym, um, body composition. Again, that is going to be very different for everyone based off stages, based off genetics, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, digestion, that's huge. How is your digestion? Like, are you pooping every day? Like bloating, um, loose stools, all of the things there, uh, relationships, like how is your, you know, like not just like romantic relationships, but like friendships, like I think, and, and mental health, like that is a huge part of it too. Like if your hormones are a mess, like internally, like you might be a hot mess, like, like emotionally, (laughs) like we know that, you know? Um, and it's, it's all like reciprocal. So it's not, it's, I mean, your, you know, your actions, you know, can impact your hormones and then your hormones can impact, you know, actions and vice versa. So it's all, you know, like a big giant feedback loop, everything you do, um, you know, has an effect and every system affects one another, you know? So it, when we talk about hormonal health, there's a lot of freaking hormones. So right. like, it, it's, it's, it's complicated, but it also isn't, um, the basics of health go a long way, but I think the problem is especially, I'm going to say people like us, and I mean me here, people that just go, go, go. It's easy to put those things off or think like, oh, it's not going to happen to me or, um, you know, like, oh, I'm resilient, you know, I'll bounce back until you don't, you know, or until, you know, you wait until your body to scream, basically. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, that's so important, like just because we like to talk about lab testing. I think like it's a bit of a hot topic thing. People, lots of coaches want to learn it. Um, or if they haven't already, like they're starting to realize like, oh, I need to, if I would be coach, like yeah. I have to know how to read blood work and, and things like that. But biofeedback is so important. Like it's so important to, to make it that simple. Like I have, uh, an athlete that's reversing out of a show right now. And, um, obviously like we know she's reversing out of a show, like her hormones are not going to be like optimal, like if, like, right. if you know, they're just not. And so you know, I told her, let's not worry about that because we, I'm not saying like, put it off to the side, but we have to get your sleep right. Right. We have to make sure your digestion is right. And we have to make sure you're starting to recover. Right. And 
those are the things that we're going to focus on so that when we do get your blood work in, we know where to keep improving. But we have to have those baseline things going and we have to make sure that your sleep is improving and stuff like that before we're worried and stressed out about like you're tanking hormones, because to be honest with you, they're, they're probably already there. Like, and so, um, that's changed the game for her and she's had the best sleep and had the best biofeedback that she's had, like, you know, post-show because she's not focused on, you know, those other things. Um, it's like one step after the other. And I think something else that you said, that's really profound, especially for coaches is it's, it's simple. It, 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 it's simple as long as you make it simple. Yep. And in order to be like, to be a good coach, you have to understand these, these feedback loops. Like you have to understand like that one thing, um, affects another and how it does in order to be like good coaches know how to do that. They understand it really well and they make it pretty simple. Um, and so, yeah, like all of what you said, like a hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's difficult because, you know, when you're learning about all of these complex systems, you learn them in parts, right? Like, obviously, if you're learning about thyroid health, you're, at the same time, you're probably not also learning about sex hormones because just because like the way we learn as humans, you were, we tend to learn better when things are in compartments. That's obviously like how like physiology was taught. It's like you learned maybe about cardiovascular, then you maybe learned about respiratory because those are very closely related. You know, they rely on one another, but then they might go into endocrinology. And like, again, we learn these all parts and segments, but like they all go together as a whole. And so it's one thing to know that information, but then can you also apply that information and see how that fits into clients' um, overall health and well-being at the same time? That's like a big challenge that coaches face and that they need to be better about too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... I mean, honestly, like that comes, I think from working with people and seeing it or just applying it, you know, for yourself. Um, yeah. I mean, because everything we do is, I mean, it's like biofeedback, right? Like all, all the changes we make or don't make, you know, it's like, okay, weight was up, but sleep was poor. Um, and then like, you know, explaining to the client too, like that's, you know, you know, the education piece kind of that I was talking about at the beginning, like, um, you know, okay. Like, you know, you had these crazy cravings this week. Uh, you know, your, you know, uh, gym performance was kind of lagging weights up. Okay. Well, sleep quality was poor. Well, you know, hormonally, like obviously, you know, there's so many downstream effects from poor sleep. So like explaining that to someone, I think it helps the, the client to see their, their bodies in a more like objective kind of light, um, which I think, especially as women, sometimes is helpful. Cause I think we tend to get emotional about things so we can almost like disconnect in a way and like see ourselves from like outside of ourselves and be like, okay, this is what's going on. And, and then, then you're kind of able to think a little bit more like rationally. Right. Um, and, and kind of troubleshoot from there. Right. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think it would be good to talk about like different scenarios and how that might impact maybe a hormonal cascade. So obviously I think all of us really have uh, preached to death stress, but that is, we preach to death for, for a reason because it is so important. So if someone, let's say is overly stressed, whether it's perceived stress or maybe a training stress or maybe um, a dieting stress or something like that. What do you think would be some things that would happen to their body like hormonally? And then how is that going to transpire out physically into biofeedback? Like what could someone who never knew like what biofeedback was or hormones was, what could they maybe expect to expect 
if they were just in this super high stress state. Yeah. Oh man. Well, so it's like, so your HP axis, right? So your I can, oh my gosh, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. Oh, Nailed it. Big words, big words. That really closely intertwines with your nervous system and endocrine system. And in like these fight or flight stages that there's this, you know, response that, that kicks off. So your, um, all your resources. So, you know, your, your blood flow, you know, your energy, like it's all going to go to focus on that immediate survival. So think like we're running from tigers in caveman era, you know, so we're not going to be focused on digestion. We're not going to be focused on, you know, making babies in that moment, right? We're going to be focused on the task at hand. And that's great. Like we want that response to kind of kick off, but over time when that, that response doesn't have a chance to shut off, then the body is kind of adapted to putting resources towards surviving. And, you know, that's going to have these downstream effects. So the body's going to continue to, to, the body, basically it's going to compensate. So it's going to compensate. um, And that those compensation patterns are going to affect things like your thyroid, um, your sex hormones, again, like I said, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. So all the hormones associated with that, this axis is going to get hit, um, including like digestion here, um, including your muscle growth and recovery. Um, like, you know, I was saying earlier, like everything affects one another. Um, you know, nothing, you know, really works in isolation. And I think, I think just thinking chronic stress, like we have to remember that like chronic stress could be things like, um, like trauma. It could be things like living in a state of like shitty body image. It could be under eating over training. It could be, um, you know, work, school relationships, all of those things, poor sleep. I mean, the list goes on. So stress really, I mean, it's almost like the root of a lot of things, um, because stress can be a lot of different things. Stress could be a nutrient deficiency. Stress could be inflammation. It could be poor digestion. Um, so I think there's a lot, I think at the end of the day, um, managing your stress is going to like, that's why we, this is why we don't shut up about managing your stress on Instagram. Like you'll, you'll see a lot of us coaches like talking about it. And it's because, it's that big of a deal. Um, because again, like all these systems intertwine. Yes, exactly. So when you're in that high stress state, some things that you might experience is like, you might experience poor sleep because your body's not physically able to shut off. You might experience like not great digestion, whether that's maybe bloating, um, with or without food, it might be very loose stools. It could be constipation. You know, if you keep track of your blood glucose, it might be really high blood glucose. Like maybe in the nineties, maybe above the nineties, like talking about one hundreds, like there are all these things that your body kind of uses to help dictate like what it's trying to tell you. You just have to make sure you're listening. And I think that's really important to understand from like a person's view is like, well, if you're already stressed, you might not know what that feels like, but like kind of listening into your body's cues can kind of give you a sense of like, Oh shit, I think I am stressed. And I just don't know it because I've been stressed for so long that like, it just feels normal. 
Yes. That's so true. And in a lot of those cases, like we want to do more, like we're frustrated, like, um, oh, like can't get a pump in the gym, you know, for example. And it's likely, you know, like a lot of times that's stress related and we're like, oh, that means I need to, you know, take less rest times and, you know, more supersets and and, yeah, all this stuff. And it's hurting us, you know, by doing that, but it's really hard. And, um, I mean, God, that's why yeah got like shameless plug, like for all of us, get a coach because, you know, having someone, especially in like this sport is just really helpful. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's really important to understand that, like, if you are a client who does have a coach that one knows what the hell they're doing and two deeply cares about you when you are in these periods of very high stress, like whether it's perceived stress, relation straps, um, et cetera, like Sarah already said, and we're like, Hey, we need to pull back and you push back against that and whine or complain or have a piss poor attitude about it. You are just hurting yourself because when we ask you to pull back on training, we are trying to give your body a fucking break. Like we are trying to pull back stress. So that way we're just pumping the brakes. We're not actually putting the car in reverse because like in your mind, when you like let off training, you're like, Oh, I'm not going to grow. My muscles aren't going to respond. It's like, this right now is not the time to worry about physique development. We're thinking about internal hormonal health because if that is going if that's gone, like you can kiss, kiss your physique development goals goodbye until that root cause is fixed. Because like, you're not going to look good outside if your insides are just insanely messed up. I mean, even the population we work with, it's really hard for people to, to not think of the exterior and to think about like what's going on interior. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to, to switch a mindset from like, we're working on um, physique development versus like we're working on hormonal health. And then sometimes they can work together. Um, so I, I kind of look at it as like a side effect of, of working on hormonal health. Like you work on hormonal health and then the side effect is a better body composition, mm-hmm. right? Like, and so explaining that to, to athletes is a huge thing so that they understand like um, that if you want longevity, like all the people that are, you know, on the Olympia stage are super like, successful pros, I would say, um, they have longevity because they take care of the back end things, or they, at least they know how to, otherwise they wouldn't be up there. Like every bodybuilder or individual that you see is, um, very successful, uh, competition wise and competitive wise. Um, they're very good at, and they understand the importance of hormonal health. They all probably get their blood work done. Um, not so I'm not going to say everyone, but like they probably, they probably have a coach that's telling them X, Y, and Z. That's why they're able to do that for 10, 15, 20 years. Cause I'm telling you, you can't do that for that long if you're not taking care of these things. Right. So. Yeah. And that just kind of made me think about this too. Like everyone is going to have a different capacity for stress. Oh yeah. And again, like stressors being training, diet, life stuff. So you may be someone that you can only handle, you know, certain, a certain amount of dieting or a certain amount of, you know, training stimulus, like, you know, in comparison, that's, that's a big one. I think when, like, when we're talking about like a healing journey, for example, like, I think, you know, like Brett, like you said, like really thinking about your journey and playing the long game and, you know, I think some, this is something we all say is like internal health precedes all physique changes. 
Um, and it's hard. Like, I mean, I think we all have been there. I mean, I've been there for a, a while, but it's true. Like, I mean, my body composition is better, um, as a result of, of, you know, doing, you know, the real hard work of slowing down and, you know, working on digestion, working on, you know, those internal, you know, internal factors. For sure. So how do you, how do you think, um, like just gen pop, like when they have like kind of shitty diets, how does, how does that affect their hormones as far as like, what is put into the food nowadays? Um, when they're not really thinking of, they're not really thinking, you know, they're not thinking like we do. Um, how does that impact like hormone health and long-term, like, I mean, we have such a prevalence of like even estrogen dominance in gen pop, like, and a lot of that has to do with, um, a variety of things, but also like just the, the quality of food. Um, and so how do you think that impacts, uh, just hormonal health in general for gen, general gen pop people? Right. Yeah. So this is like, I feel like if it fit, if it fits your macros is like a big, something to blame from this is like that idea that like all that matters is protein, fats, carbs. It doesn't matter your food sources. And it absolutely does matter. Like, I don't know. I struggle with this because I am all for, especially gem pop, like balance and, you know, 80, 20, but 80, 20 doesn't mean like, I don't know. I struggle with this because it's not that there's good foods, bad foods, but there are better foods. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. You really have to find your version of balance. And I think a lot of times it is like retraining, you know, taste buds and retraining habits. And that's a whole different podcast topic, but, um, your micronutrients matter. They absolutely matter. Like think about, you know, when we're dieting, for example, like a lot of gem pop, like wants to lose fat. And if we're only focused on if it fits your macros and we're grabbing all the, um, you know, like the macro friendly, high protein pancake powder and, you know, the, um, Xantha gum, whatever's, I don't even know. Bars. <laughs> yeah. Like all this stuff, all this kind of junky food. Okay. Well, in a dieting phase, you know, when we're, you know, eating less naturally, your metabolism is just going to get downregulated, like just by nature of dieting. Right. You know, so thyroid hormones going to take a little bit of a hit, like all this, all these things, you know, I'll just, I'll just stick on the thyroid example. So thyroid ham- hormone is going to take a bit of a hit. And then you're eating these crappy foods that are devoid of things like selenium and B vitamins, all these, you know, micronutrients that your thyroid needs to function properly. So not only are we downregulating it by nature of the diet, but then your lifestyle habits and your food choices are further exasperating the issue. Um, you know, so if, you know, I, I do, you know, preach a mostly, you know, like whole foods diet, you know, for that reason, it's like, I mean, I don't know. Like, again, I struggle with that good food, bad food thing, but it is what it is. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I'm not trying to like, like, sorry if I hurt anyone's feelings kind of thing, but that's, it is what it is. And that's oh, yeah. such, that's such a great thing that you have this, like, like it is what it is. Cause I think a lot of coaches will just to get, just to get athletes or just to get clients, like 
they'll tell you like, oh, especially that if it fits your macro or is like, oh, you can have whatever you in your macros. And it's just like, if anything is ever too good to be true, it probably is like, mm-hmm. just remember that. And with that, that goes for like training and food and all of these things. Like when we try, I'm not tra- saying that making things, um, working smarter isn't a bad thing, but doing things that make you have to work harder is a bad thing. So like not thinking, um, logistically, like, of course you can't have potato chips and pizza for every single meal. If it fits your macros, like, of course, like, um, and I think that people just kind of hear like, oh, I can make progress. Like I can lose the fat that I want with just a caloric deficit and just fitting whatever in my macros. Great. Like, but they don't think like long-term they might, they might make progress initially. Like they will. Um, but long-term, like it does a lot to you. It does a lot more than just help you with your, um, body composition later, you're going to have a lot of problems and eventually you'll have to succumb to it and start having better dieting habits. So like, I I mean, I have photos of me, um, on stage with it. If if it's your macros diet, like the same exact intake and then without it, I'm a completely different athlete, like completely fucking different. And I was, I can tell you on one, I was much leaner, um, much harder and more energetic than the other one. I wasn't, uh, I, I, I was not happy like throughout that throughout that entire dieting phase. Um, and it was the same exact intake. So yes, it really freaking matters. Um, yeah. and learn from our mistakes and finding right. those foods that work like with your body. Like, you know, cause if you're eating, like if you have like a dairy sensitivity and you're continuing, continuing to eat something even healthy, like Greek yogurt, that's still inflame. It's still inflammatory to your body. Um, you know, and you continue to pound it and well, no wonder you're inflamed, but you're eating so healthy and it's like, okay, well, you know, there's, there's some type of disconnect here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think it's also really important to note that like, that's why it's important to also lead by example, because if you expect your clients to do 80, 20 or 90, 10 or whatever, like your, your golden ratio is, and you're like doing, if it fits your macros or whatever, and you're, you know, you have to lead by example and show the client that like, oh, well, I eat this way because it makes me healthy. It makes me feel good. Like my labs come back really good. Like my biofeedback is great. My mental health is great because what a lot of people don't understand is how, even though everything is connected, like, I don't really think they understand, like when it comes to cravings, like you continuing to eat crap, you are definitely going to alter your mental state when it comes to food and, you know, whether that's, you know, microbiome related taste bud related mentally, just like with that dopamine release, like you have to understand that, like, it is so important to have a better balance with like good foods because that really does help suppress like the cravings. And then any cravings that you do get, like it might be something really healthy, which might be like totally mind blowing to you. But at the same time, like, you know, I remember Britt made this awesome like post where she was like, I don't get cravings because I don't like eat bad food. And that was like amazing to me, like how she said that. And I agree, like, I don't have cravings either, but if you look at what I eat, there's a reason for that. Yeah. (laughs) I think we're all in the same boat there. And that doesn't mean that you have to be a hermit and live out of your Tupperware or, you know, never leave your house. Like, you can still, like, I still want my clients to have that, you know, social, you know, side of health. Like that's also very important for hormones, um, you know, and just health in general, 
but you know, you can, like, I was at a wedding this weekend. Like you just, you can make choices that are still part of your plan and still, you know, find that it's all about finding that balance for you. Cause Mm -hmm. that, that balance unicorn, that balance word, like it's kind of a buzzword, but it's about finding what works for you. What did you do at your, at the wedding to help you stay on track and create balance for yourself? Yeah. So I brought a lot of protein powder, tuna, and like some like emergency kind of snacks, like just in case, you know, um, I, at the rehearsal dinner, you know, they have, you know, most places it's going to have like a protein, a carb and a fat and veggie, you know, to choose from. And, you know, so I got the, you know, I loaded up on the mahi and the chicken and the veggies and I'm on a gut health protocol right now. So I do have to be pickier, but you know, I, I, I'm not going to stress about that meal and potentially that the veggies were in canola oil or, you know, whatever, because at the end of the day, I know that stressing about that is going to be far worse for my digestion than, you know, eating the food. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. so I think my mindset about it is a big, big one, you know, and then, you know, the wedding, like, you know, again, it's like, I pick the options that are good for me and I don't stress about the food. Like I know the food is going to be there. Um, granted my friend that got married is also a bodybuilder. So I think, (laughs) I think her catering choices were also more quote unquote bodybuilder friendly. Um, but I'm not afraid to just do what I need to do. And sometimes that does mean bringing my own food, but it also doesn't mean living in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think that there's like this misconception that like, if you do this, like you can't, you can't do other things. Like you can't have interests outside of it. And I think that there's some people that it works for, like that works, but that doesn't all, that doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the end of like the world. If something comes up and you have to adjust, um, because stressing out about the adjustment is going to do you more harm than it is good. Um, and also like, it's important to, to remember that, like, we place so much importance on food because we eat all day. And so when we go places, like a lot of times our first thought is what am I going to eat? Like when, <laughs> honestly, like general population people are not thinking like that. They're thinking about going to whatever event to have fun. They're not like, oh my God, what the food, what's, what are you having? They're like, uh, okay, like whatever's there, I guess, as long as I'm not intolerant and I can eat it, I can eat it. Most people aren't thinking and, and stressing out about like where their food is coming from. Um, and so it's really, important to remember that it's what works for you as far as balance goes, because you have to remember, like, you're probably, I mean, Sarah, you just said that your friend is a bodybuilder. So it's, it's different, but like, you're probably one of the only people, um, if, unless you're with a bunch of bodybuilders that are, that's thinking like that. Um, and so don't stress yourself out more, like just do what you have to do to make sure that you stress less. And then boom, like you have a result of, having fun, going out, doing what you need to do, but also staying on track and also doing what's fun for you. Cause remember like body, you're doing bodybuilding because it's fun for you. You like it. It doesn't stress you out. Like it doesn't stress you out. I think I saw you uh, say this on one of your stories, Sarah, that it doesn't, it's a lifestyle because it doesn't stress you out to track your food. You've been doing mm-hmm. it for years. It yeah. doesn't stress you out to train to failure. Like that's just what you do. Like, 
Um, but it's, it can be hard for others like to understand it. Um, but it is fun for you. So that's why you keep doing it. Um, yeah. Yeah. That, and like own it, you know, like if, if that's you like own it and that stress perception, that is a huge part of building stress resiliency. Cause we talk about like the impacts of stress and stress is bad, but I think something that I personally really like to focus on is building stress resiliency because the stressors are going to be there. Again, we're not living in a bubble. So having that positive stress perception, that, that idea of, I got this, like shit happens, but I got this, like that is going to be far more impactful. Um, as far as your body's ability to respond and recover from those stressors, um, that perception, it's going to be far more impactful than the stressor itself. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it takes practice and, and like, you know, me five years ago, six years ago would have struggled more with that wedding than me now, because, but I've, I, you put reps in just like you put reps in the gym. Um, but you have to, you have to put the first rep in, you know, you have to go to the gym that first day and get through some of the suck. Um, but yeah, I like to think about stress resiliency a lot. It takes time too. Like, I like what you said that five years ago, you, what, you don't have the same stress resiliency as you do now. Like mm -hmm. I'm totally, I feel that a hundred percent. Um, because I used to stress so much over going anywhere, but I wanted to do stuff. Like I was like, oh, I want to do, I'm totally a, I, I, I am an introvert because I, I get my energy from being alone, but I'm also a social being when I choose to be. And I do like it. Like, and so when I was trying to do both, like I would stress out so much because I, I, one, I wouldn't own my lifestyle. Like one, I was like trying to still be very in tune with friends. I had from the past who knew me as a different person who did not know Brittany as a bodybuilder. So when I was with them, I, I was trying not to be Brittany as the bodybuilder, but it's so important to me to be that because that's who I am, um, that it was stressing me out being with them. And, um, eventually like I was just like you know what this is who I am and if you can't handle it or I feel uncomfortable around these people then it's just something that I have to either be resilient to or I need to cut it out and it, it is what it is and so that's what I did um and so it's it's important to remember that like if you're struggling with some of these things right now know that it gets better as long as you practice it and you and you keep putting yourself first and owning who you are through it um, that is, that is, I think a lot of what stress resilience is, is owning a lot about who you are. And I'm always talking about that. Like on my, that's like one of my themes on my IG is like, be who you are and own it because that will make or break you. So. Right. I don't think people understand that. Like a good stress management tactic is having that strong self-efficacy, like taking ownership of your circumstances. And then also like, like Britt was saying, like having a different mindset, like trying to reframe, like well, this is what the circumstance is and it's difficult, but how can I reframe it? How can I like rethink these things in my mind to make it a learning experience, to make it useful for self-growth, to make it somehow beneficial with where I'm at in life. And, you know, this science sounds like a lot of work, but like, it's really, really simple when you like put it into practice. Like let's use the wedding example. Like we're always going back to weddings. Like I went to a wedding recently, uh, recently. Sarah went to a wedding recently, Sarah, like ate the meals that were provided, even though like it was like bodybuilder focused foods. So that was really awesome for her. The wedding I went to not so much. It was more like down 
down country home cooking. So like a lot more yeah. like soul comfort food. I brought my meals. So say two, same scenario, two very different circumstances. Like I probably could have eaten the turkey leg, but I was like, honestly, I don't know how to track this some bitch. So like I brought my meals. I had my chicken, my rice and my broccoli because I knew it was going to digest well. And like, I still participated in the dancing. You know, it, we were still there. We still had a good time. We celebrated the people whose, you know, wedding we were celebrating. But at, even though we had to make different decisions, it was still beneficial because it got Sarah closer to her goals. She stayed on top of her protocol. It helped with her digestion. For me, I stayed on top of my protocols. I still had fun at the wedding. Like there were no issues. There was no stress. And so like, that's what's really important to understand is like, you know, make a game plan, believe that you can stick to it. And then if things and like hiccups arise, then reframe that difficult situation into, well, how can I get through this situation and maybe be beneficial? And just having that different framework, that different mindset is so incredibly freaking powerful. I agree. It's, it's just like aligning, you know, actions with, with your values. And, um, I mean, I agree with that. Like, I think the, what, you know, Bert, you were saying like the, the best, you know, if you're living, if you're constantly living, I don't know, like in a, like, as not the person you, you really are. Like if you're so caught up in the shoulds, like I should do this, I should do that. Like that is literally the greatest stress ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and I've been there like, um, you know, like doing all these things or, um, you know, living like whatever, because that's what the perfect me would do you know, that's like, that's bullshit. Like, no, like, what do you truly, you know, like want and need, you know, like, um, like for, like, I remember like when I was, um, undergrad, like I was trying to be on the nursing track, like to get into nursing school and it was so competitive and I was stressing myself out. And, you know, I had a hard conversation with myself and I was like, you know, I'm pursuing nursing because it is the career that is safe and it's, when I'm at the family party and I tell everyone I'm in school to be a nurse, they're like, oh, wow, what a great career. So stable. Like you'll always have a job. You're so, and like, again, nothing wrong with nursing. Like, but like, I think I started getting called to do something else and I was scared to speak that out loud. But once I did this like wave of like, oh, wow. Like, yeah. like, I don't know. Like I'm a little bit impulsive sometimes, but every time I've made a big decision in my life, like starting my own business, like I'm like, fuck, like I feel so good as soon as I made that decision, you know, mm -hmm. and this like wait, And it's that, that, that stress perception that like, fuck, like this is a big, can we swear on this? I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, no, I, no trust me. I'm you're good. <laughs> okay. Um, it's like, I made this big decision and I made it for me, but I trust in myself and I know I'm going to make it happen. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's kind of the, the attitude that I hope everyone can adopt. And a lot of, I think getting, you know, gaining confidence, you know, comes from this lifestyle. Um, you know, you show yourself, you can do these hard th things and it shows yourself that you can do the big things. Yeah. That was like, I, it resonates so much. Cause like, even now for me, what I'm going through as far as like having like my full-time job plus coaching. And I really, I really want to be a full-time coach, you know, so trying to set myself up to do that, but it's almost like I'm thinking about how much more myself I will feel by just being a coach. Like, 
because I know that is that is for me. Um, I know it's not the right situation right now, um, but I do find myself thinking like, well, what happens when somebody like asks me what I'm doing now? And I'm like, oh, I'm a bodybuilding coach. And they're like, what? Like, weren't you just like, like a fitness, like director of like a universe, like they, they're going to, they're, it's like, what are you doing? Like, and I have to remember that, like, it's about like, what makes me, me like, and happy. And that is what I am excited to feel is the less stress of not feeling like completely me, right. Like completely married to who I am. Um, and I've, I've thought about that, like what you're saying about when my family asks me, what am I doing now? Um, or what's going on? And I'm like, oh, I'm a bodybuilding coach. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> with like complete career change. Like, um, I've thought about that. And that's something that I'm moving through um, and excited to get, you know, into. So. Yeah. Giving too many fucks. I mean, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah. That's, that's definitely that's what it comes giving down to. Fucks, uh, <laughs> like, of stress. Like, yeah. yes. like we, I mean, the stress bucket analogy, like we only yeah. have so much. And if you're letting these little things overflow you, you know, like I rather fill my stress bucket with my training, you know, um, my like career goals, that, that kind of thing, then like, let it overflow with like the little things that really are not going to matter long-term. Right. Right. And I know we got off away from the hormone thing a little bit here, It applies, and, but this <laughs> is not, this is not woo-woo. Like this is not mm-hmm. like this, this is the stuff that like, like we, anyone, any numb nut can like read off like a paper and talk about like poor sleep and like, you know, I don't know, like uh, draw a diagram of like the HPA axis, but like, this is the stuff that like really matters at the end of the day. And this is the stuff that is going to hold, you know, you or clients back, um, you know, from, from truly healing is these, you know, these little stressors, um, and the emotional side of things. Yes. Right. But it's all related though. Like you were saying, like, I know this was, we were mainly talking about like optimizing hormonal health, but like in order to optimize it, you have to control your shit. You have to control your stress. You have to manage it. You have to understand that, that there are stress management tactics, like taking ownership, having that self-efficacy, you know, all of that mental state that we were talking about. There's stress relief, like doing physical things for your body, like making sure you're eating well, sleeping well, like doing recovery tactics for the gym or stretching, breathing. like whatever breathing. Yes. Like exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. So it that all goes me. together. <laughs> yeah. The breathing was so me. I'm at like, and I'm, that's probably one of the biggest things I'm working on is like, I, like I hold my breath when I'm stressed. Like I do, I like, sh- or I breathe like really shallowly. So like, um, really working on like breath work and breathing, you know, because you can't expect your body to do much of anything if you're not <laughs> breathing. <laughs> Exactly. You know, that old man side, like, you know, after a long day and you like sit your ass on like your favorite couch and you just go <sighs> like, that makes me feel so damn good. Like that's just deep breath. You like let it in your stomach, you exhale it out. Yeah. You sound a little annoying, but like, it just makes you feel good. It makes you feel less stress and definitely breathing work is so big. Definitely. Well, Sarah, like, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything that you want to pull? You should probably plug your, your coaching business, but yeah, where can people find you? Yeah. Where can people get you up at? So your house address. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not, not that much contact, but uh, (laughs) 
Sarah Ford Bishop on Instagram. That's my handle. And you can find all my links through my link tree there. Um, but yeah, I love the podcast because Instagram, like, I don't know, you guys gave me some lots of compliments in the beginning, but I much prefer prefer, prefer the podcast to Instagram. Okay. Well, go listen to the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, because right. you have your, your own. What's yeah. up? Well, you plug. You should plug your podcast because don't you have two? You have your own, and then the other one with the the other girls, the awesome yes. badass ladies. Yes. So, Unfiltered Fitness Radio is my personal podcast that I started in January, and then um, we just launched. Me, Meredith, uh, Pachi, and Sonia Spill just launched Unnamed and Untamed, which both of those are also on um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Cool. Listen to those. Yeah. Put it on your list. All right. Yes. But thank you so much, Sarah. You have a great rest of your day and listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out.